Welcome to another episode of the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dyer. A little bit later in this episode, we're going to be talking some boys basketball and with a conversation with Muller coach Carl Kramer and Triple Devil Prospects analyst Corey Albertson, giving you the lowdown on all the top teams and top players to watch for around the Cincinnati area. Believe it or not, the boys basketball season just starting one week from Friday night. This High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Greater Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky Chick-fil-A restaurants. Fall is sweeter with a chocolate fudge brownie or mocha cream cold brew. Get yours today. But uh, first up, the St. Xavier football team is the Division I state champion for 2020. The Bombers dominated Pickerington Central 44-3 in the Division I state final at Fortress Obitz this past weekend near Columbus. I had a chance to sit down with St. X coach Steve Specht on Monday to not only recap the state championship game, but also this unique season. Well, Steve, tell me, how did you celebrate the state championship over the weekend? <laughs> wow, I spent an awful lot of time with uh, members of my staff just uh, enjoying the weekend. And we had open house yesterday at St. X. So I spent four hours at open house uh, talking to young prospective students and just move on to the next. It's a crazy thing about it. You you think you want to enjoy it for a while and then you think, wow, we have another season next year and you have to start planning for it. But no, we were able to go out to dinner uh, with some of my staff members and you know, after the game went to a, a local hotel and we're able to celebrate a little bit with the staff, obviously social distancing, keeping it light. So that was unfortunate, but the real celebration took place at the game and, and just watching the kids celebrate afterwards and take pictures with the trophy. That That's always, that's a shot in the arm. It really is to see the sheer joy and elation for, from kids is always, it's why we do this. Did you ever get tired of the media members asking you about the the largest margin of victory in a D1 state title game? <laughs> you know, that really hasn't been a question that was asked. It was more a, wow, what a, you know, it was a blitzkrieg in that first quarter. And people said, did you expect, you don't, are you kidding me? You don't expect that in any game, much less a state championship game. But I do think that, that, I think Andrew Coverdale put together a great offensive plan. I thought Jake Broadbeck put together a great defensive plan. Tim Banker had a great special teams plan. But every week you think you have a great plan. It's a matter of the kids executing those plans. And I thought the execution was flawless in that first quarter in all three phases of the game. So I take my hat off to to our coaching staff and to the kids for executing and was just – it was a game I, I'd never seen. I've never been a part of a game like that, especially first quarter like that. You always ask your players for their personal best. I mean, and did you sense something maybe on that bus ride up? Did you sense something in their eyes? I and mean, you've been at this long enough that there was something different about this one? Yeah, I, not not just the bus ride, but more the, the week of preparation, the focus. You could feel – you see it as a coach. You watch the film. You see how the kids are are preparing themselves to play. You see how they practice, and, and you just get a feel. And I felt I, I felt we were very prepared going into the game more so than I had in a while. The kids had a different look about them. They carried themselves differently. Uh, they were on a mission, and and it played itself out in the game. But you did feel it. You could sense it. I, I I've said it. This senior class, we only had 22 kids, which is very small for us, but they were, boy, they were, I called them the Warriors, the 22 Warriors, and they did an unbelievable job of leading a relatively young team. If you look at our, 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 our starting lineups, we have a lot of young kids, juniors and sophomores that were starting this year, but that senior class did an unbelievable job of leading them, and I'm awful proud of them. What did you sense from those captains, especially, you know, Maybe in those nail-biter games, too. I mean, how did they really rise to the occasion going they into the state championship? That's a great question. They didn't flinch. I think that was the biggest – I think the thing I was most impressed with with these kids, when you look at our four captains, and they're all different. Matty Devine is a vocal out in front. He's a passionate guy. Liam is such a hard worker. When your best player is one of your hardest workers, good things are going to happen. And Gio, just in the middle of that defensive line and, and the energy he would bring to practice and his 
He's just a good-natured kid. And Gabe DuBois, who doesn't say boo, he doesn't say much of anything, but you watch him play with such great, tremendous grit and enthusiasm. It's contagious. When you get kids like that that lead your teams, it, it really is contagious. And those four, the focus they had all week long, the comments they were making to their teammates from a leadership standpoint all week long, you you knew we were pre- – again, you knew we were prepared. You didn't know how it would play out because, obviously, Pickerington Central was preparing as well. But you knew they were prepared. Jalen Patterson, the four receiving touchdowns, everybody's well aware of that, you know, tying the Division One state championship record. You mentioned Liam, though, you know, him flanking him. Um, I, I have to imagine how happy was Liam for seeing his teammate, teammate get the spotlight like that. That's the thing, Mike, is Liam, I, I don't know, how, he may have had two catches for six yards, but you, there wasn't a, a happier player on our team. There wasn't a, a player that was more supportive of his teammates. And he, Liam Clifford could care less about his stats as long as we win. And obviously his stats provided an awful lot of wins for us, but but th- I think that was a testament to Liam and, and what kind of human being he is and what kind of person he is, that he was the most excited kid on the sideline. And he wasn't the guy scoring the touchdowns or making the big catches. He was excited for his teammates. And when you get a group together, and I don't care if it's high school football or it's a bit in the business world, if you get a group together and nobody cares about who gets the credit, man, you can find some special things. And that's what this group were, was able to do this year. You said in the past maybe two, three weeks, media interviews about the uniqueness this season, you know, being able to block out the craziness from your players, clear the mechanism, as it were. Take me back to maybe this summer and, and that uncertainty. And I know that there was players coming into your office and you talked to them. And as a coach, how did you prepare for this season, given all the uncertainty? Well, I I think I had a meeting with Matt Devine, and it was right before Governor DeWine was going to make his first announcement, and nobody had a clue what it was going to be. And Matt was really just the – he's such a passionate kid. You could see there was this look of desperation when he asked me, Coach, are we going to have a season? And I looked at him and said, I have no clue if we're going to have a season. Um, but we can't control anything else other than our our own work. So we kind of adopted the mantra, control the controllables. And that was how hard we work and how we focused on the day. And that's what we did. We tried to maintain a focus on, on the day at hand and be completely present in the moment and not worry about the outside noise. And I think that from an educational standpoint for, for young kids, it's hard to do that. It, you know, when you get older, like, like I am, you've been through it. You, you understand a little bit more how to relish the moment, but trying to teach 15, 16, 17 year old kids that this is all okay. It's going to work out. God has a plan is really different. And then governor DeWine makes an announcement, but it really is an announcement. He doesn't say much and I'll have an announcement next week. And it just left you kind of on pins and needles, but we just kept focusing on the present. And as I said, then the Big Ten shut down. And you're thinking, my God, if Ohio State University isn't going to play football in the fall, how are they going to allow high schools to play? And now you and I are sitting here talking about a state championship, Mike. It's um, it's historical. These kids are forever going to be cemented in the history of Ohio high school football because of not only the state championship, not only because it's the largest margin of victory, but because of coronavirus and all the sh- the pandemic and the craziness, this is historical in so many different ways. And to be a part of that for these kids, I think is incredibly special. you ever think about this fall without high school football? I can't imagine a world without football. I mean, it, uh, I'm pretty one-dimensional. I, you know, this is uh, this is what we've chosen to do with our our careers, and to not have it. Not, I think that's the hardest part to reconcile is the kids. You know, the kids that are losing dreams. 
our kids at least got to experience the dream of winning a state championship. But how many high school kids around the country didn't get a play this fall? If you look at California and some of the other states, and they didn't do anything. You know, they didn't. They're trying to follow the rules, and I just hate as an educator. You know, you hate to see kids lose the dreams that they've had. And I've seen my own sons at uh, the University of Dayton's not playing. So Cam doesn't have, you know, I watch him struggle with it. And, you know, you can you can say how unfair it is. But, hey, that's the hand we've been dealt. How do we play the hand? How do we make a positive out of a somewhat of a negative? And there will be a vaccine. <laughs> the world will get back to what we do and football will be played and basketball will be played you know, and all the other sports will be celebrated. It's just going to take some time. And I know we'll look back on this and come away with a lot of positives uh, that we learned over the pandemic, but, but it's going to take some time and, and we'll see. You mentioned with experience comes wisdom, trying to translate that to 15, 16, 17 year olds is a different story. How did it, the season challenge you, you know, Take out X's and O's for a second, just a week to week, given things that you have to, you know, pay attention to that you never had to before. It's the emotional toll. It's mental exhaustion in a lot of ways. I, I talked personally, I leaned on a lot of my my coaching friends in the business that I really respect. You know, Tommy and I at Bolden talked about it way back when and you know, it, the mental strain it takes on you because you're trying to balance all this with the kids and, you know, you, you need to come out. You got to put your, you know, whatever that game face on and put that on to every practice and approach it as if we're playing all the season. But but I think that in the end, when I look back on this, I watched how the kids handled it. And it wasn't the mental strain was enough on our end, but when you watched how the kids were able to completely compartmentalize this and focus that the kids made this work. And I don't care what any of us did. I don't care what the administration, the coaching staff, it took the kids to take the ownership to make this happen across the board at every school in the city of Cincinnati or the state of Ohio that played this year, the, the kids took the onus and wow, that's what you love to see is is kids when he, when it means that much to you you're going to go the extra length and the kids were able to do that and obviously the community supporting those kids across the state of Ohio we were able to get it done because because of the teamwork and everybody pulling together to make it happen so real proud of the kids and the communities obviously you discussed a lot of serious points there, but uh, how fun was this journey at the end of the day and having that satisfaction on Friday night to, to take that team photo with your, your players? Uh, that was that was just elation. That was sheer joy. Um, you know, I, I think that most coaches are tortured souls. We really – we teach try to teach the kids to enjoy the journey when we're worrying about everything but the journey, you know, and – once it's over, you're at least I'm able to look back and and see the great things that happened. And it's um, like I said, our success comes 30, 40 years from now when we see where these kids are and what they're doing. But I know we're going to be able to sit back. I'll I'll watch the captains design their state championship. I always get a kick out of the state championship ring designs because. Is like the first time we won one, it was a little ring, and the next day it was a little bigger, and then the last time it was like a dog on wristwatch, and I'm waiting for this one to be like a clock on the wall the size of it. Uh, but it's so much fun to watch kids enjoy that end of it and the celebration after the game and all watching the kids get the pictures, the defensive backs getting their pictures with Coach Gry, we are Coach Broadbeck holding the trophy and the linebackers with their uh, Doug Wood. Just watching the kids celebrate because w we were fortunate enough to be there before, and I never took time to really appreciate kids being kids. Uh, but I did take that that moment Friday night to watch just uh, the sheer exhilaration of a 15, 16. 17 year old young man knowing he accomplished something great um and, and celebrating in that and that that was 
I don't know that it gets any better than that. You know, I got to celebrate a state championship with my youngest son, Cameron. Um, but, but this one was different. I was able to step back and watch instead of being in the middle of it. And I just looked from the outside and the perspective was uh, daunting. It was so much fun. And you're so appreciative of, of what you've been given in life and the gratitude for those around you that helped make it happen. Um, that was special. Good stuff there. And I know you probably already been asked if you're going to write another book about this season, <laughs> but definitely a story of perseverance. But Steve, you did obviously write recently a book uh, about the 2016 season, the first five loss team in the state of Ohio to win an Ohio football state championship, that 2016 division one state championship team, fourth and redemption. I know Christmas is upcoming. Uh, I know a lot of people would be interested to get a hand on their book, on your book there. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, that book, why you wrote it and where people can pick that up. Well, obviously, it, it, it chronicles the 2016 season on a team that went five and five. It was a bizarre year. We suffered unbelievable injuries prior to the year, got run rolled on national TV by St. John Bosco out of L.A. and had to limp into the final game of the season to even qualify for the playoffs. And then we went through a five-week run, two overtimes and a double overtime to win the championship. Uh, and the book chronicles that season, but more so, I received a note from Bill Klosterman, who I think Bill's in his, was in his mid-80s, had been a GCL fan his entire life, graduated from Purcell Marion at the age of, I believe he was 15 years old. And he, he wrote me this note about how he, dating back to the Roger Staubach era, I mean, going way back in some of the classic games in the GCL, he said, without question, the state championship game against Ignatius was the greatest GCL victory in the history of time. And I read this note and I thought, you know, in a lot of ways, he's right, because that season was remarkable with a lot of things the kids dealt with. Anyway, so we that just got me thinking. I'm an old English major. I've always wanted to write a book. And I thought this is a great platform to develop an inside look at high school football at its finest. So each chapter has a different theme. We chronicle developing great culture. We chronicle, I mean, the Wolf family in Cincinnati and the rise of Chase Wolf. Uh, I mean, they're, they're icons in, in Cincinnati, but also what Charlie Wolf Sr. did for sports in the area. Um, you know, we chronicle that. Urban Meyer we do an. I do it. I did an interview with, uh, conducted an interview with Urban Meyer, who was my coach in high school, and just talked about the pressure associated with a position like Urban Meyer's at Ohio State University or at Florida. Um, we chronicle you know, a little bit about, you know, uh, how recruiting's changed over the years and. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of different themes. We you know, we touch on the public private. Um, rivalries, whether it was Coleraine, St. X, or when we played Warren Central, there's a lot of underlying themes. But if you're a, I think if you're a sports fan, or I've always said, if you're a fan of kids, I think it's a great read. I'm biased, obviously. I really It is an excellent read, though. I will tell you, it is very good. Thank you, Mike. It, it was a labor of love. And uh, I, I just think if you're a high school, a kid, a fan of kids, a fan of redemption because those kids went through a lot of crazy adversity and they were able to rise above and overcome and they never quit. And uh, the season and the themes all intertwined to talk about in life, you know, we're all given the same amount of time. We all get 24 hours in a day. We get 60 seconds in a minute. What are we going to do with that time to help bring about good? And that that's kind of the focus. Uh, I wrote it over the pandemic in conjunction with Dan Weber, uh, 1960 grad of St. Xavier, who was in L.A. at the time. He's been a sports writer his entire life, and he mentored me through the writing process in three months. I'll bet I wrote 14 hours a day. I would email him what I would write. He would edit it, chop it up, throw it back at me. And this that dance went on for three months. So we wrote the book in three months. It was published in in three months. So in six months, we were able to get this out. And um, it was, uh, it's a celebration of the city of Cincinnati too, man. That it, uh, it really chronicles the great things that go on in the city. 
great photography in there too. And some historical photos, as you mentioned, of the Wolf family. And just, if you love Cincinnati high school sports, this is obviously highlights St. X, but goes way beyond that as well. Coach, where, where can people uh, find a copy of this? Uh, right now it's, uh, you can purchase it on my website, www.coachspect, and that's S-P-E-C-H-T, uh, dot com. Yeah, it's fourth and redemption it can be purchased there. And, you know, we've had a lot of great feedback, Mike, and I really appreciate the kind words you've given me on the book. I appreciate you reading it first and foremost. So uh, thank you very much. Well, um, I know last question for you, Steve, you mentioned, you know, even in the book here about the principles that kind of guide you, not only in football, but in life, business, that sort of thing. And you always give credit to Coach Rasso, Coach Balaban, I mean, your predecessors, obviously. But uh, what strikes me in covering you, your first year as head coach 2004 was the first year of me here in Cincinnati uh, covering high school sports. And it seems like you've never really veered from those principles, those guiding uh, factors or guiding principles of, of, of being a head football coach at St. Xavier. And tell me about, you know, maybe that, that mentality, that perspective of, uh, you know, the game has changed. We've seen so many – different things change offensively and defensively, but you've never really veered far from what makes your program successful. No, I, I was very blessed, Mike, when I, uh, obviously I'm a 1986 graduate of St. Xavier High School. So I, I uh, my brother was a 1980 graduate of Elder High School. So we've been entrenched in the city. My father was a dentist on the West side. Um, for whatever reason, God, God had a plan for me to come through St. Xavier High School, and, and I'm here today because of that. But, but the mission, I think everything I learned through St. Xavier High School was the, the mission is non-negotiable. Strive for the modules. There's always more. Pursue excellence. Be a man for others. I could go on with all the, the cliches, but, but I, w- that's what St. Xavier High School is all about. There's a lot of, I mean, there's great institutions across the city. I was just, I feel very blessed to have been a part of St. X and playing for Steve Rasso, who really instilled a lot of discipline. You talk about a guy that teaches you how to deal with adversity and he coached me hard at the time. I wasn't real appreciative appreciate of it uh, at the time, but, um, but I look back and I'm so thankful that God put him in my life because I learned an awful lot about him from the aspect of discipline and teamwork and, and playing with passion and being a sacrificing yourself for a cause bigger than yourself. So I, I, although I would love to say I created all this, I didn't create a thing. I was handed uh, the keys to the kingdom in 2004 by Pete Boylan, who was an ex-graduate and father uh, Walter Dye who was an ex-grad and they just pretty much said, you know, Steve, uh, continue to teach. We don't care if you win football games, but preach, teach the mission. And, and that's all we've ever done here, Mike, is we've maintained the mission. Um, it's not negotiable. I don't care what changes in the world. The pursuit of excellence doesn't change. The uh, striving for more doesn't change. Making sure you sacrifice for the cause bigger than yourself, it doesn't change. And so that's that's what we teach, and it's it flows from the mission. It's not indigenous to our program. Um, you know, I study a lot of great people, and I meet with a lot of great coaches that have tremendous culture, and we'll try to take bits and pieces to help improve ours, but the mission doesn't change. It's uh, I've been very blessed to have been able to steward this program for 17 years. God willing, I'll be able to, to do it for a few more years, but that's the one thing that never changes is uh, mission. And as long as I'm a part of this or as long as the school wants to have me a part of it, um, that's what we'll do. Steve, always great perspective. Uh, thanks once again, and uh, congratulations to you and everybody there at school. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time. Well, as you can tell, this state championship certainly means a lot to Coach Steve Specht and everyone around that St. X community. The fourth state football title for the Bombers, and uh, definitely in a dominating fashion, having the largest margin of victory in Division I state final game, 41-point difference there for St. X. So uh, congratulations to everyone around the Bombers program. I want to remind everybody this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Greater Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky Chick-fil-A restaurants, where the winning play is always chicken. Log in to the Chick-fil-A app for easy ordering. We want to switch gears a little bit and talk some boys basketball. I had a chance to sit down with Corey Albertson of Triple Double Prospects to get his thoughts 
about the top teams and the top players to watch this season. The Ohio High School boys basketball season starts on Friday night. And uh, obviously with all the uh, football news going on, I definitely uh, don't want to uh, um, let basketball uh, not get the attention it deserves in the spotlight because we are blessed with a ton of talent, uh, not only with players, but Cincinnati area teams this season. And uh, Corey, thanks for taking a few minutes. And how are you doing? Doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for uh, always the time and your perspective over the years. Uh, you have a great insight on uh, what goes on in the basketball scene here in the Cincinnati area. Well, some some news uh, recently in the first weekend of November. Obviously, uh, Deer Park has named a new coach in Wally Vickers. Also, we had a very significant commitment with uh, Lakota East senior guard Nate Johnson committing to Akron. Uh, maybe uh, first, first off, Corey, just give us maybe a couple of your impressions on those two news items as we started the month of November. But those, those tie into each other well, actually, because when I started doing high school basketball stuff, I was working at uh, UC, and Coach Vickers was the head coach of Lakota East back then. And he used to bring his teams to camp, and that's how I knew Coach Vickers and uh, always have had immense, immense respect for him. And he's been one in the last few years that whenever an opportunity uh, you know, come up, he's really jumped in, not even knowing what's going on with it, just, you know, how can I help? And that's what he's doing at Deer Park. They did have a, a late change being, you know, he just took over there. Wasn't like he took over at the end of last season. So um, I think, I think Coach Vickers will do well there. He's always a great motivator and really can instill discipline in the program and uh, a lot of passion and energy. And then as for Nate Johnson, uh, you know, Akron's getting a really, really good player. And uh, they have Greg Treble, who went to Winton Woods, and Nate Johnson's got some similarities there. Super athletic guard that can really attack the basket. And, you know, Nate's a kid that, um, you know, Akron's a great fit. And if, if there had been a traditional AAU this year, he might have gotten some bigger stuff. But um, I know they really wanted to find somewhere where he could play a lot and really feel at home. And uh, Akron and John Gross is the coach there. He's been around the block for a long time. I think that's, that's going to be a really good fit. And the thing about – Akron is uh, the max to competitive basketball league. But if you go to Akron, you're you're gonna have a real nice chance every year to, to win that league. They're you know as good of a program as you're gonna find in that league. You talked about just the recruiting part of things, and uh, I know you know obviously you are in tune with everything that goes on here in the Cincinnati area basketball scene. But uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, maybe the challenges for some of these players, whether they be 2021, 2022. Um, we all know that everything is um, a dead period for the NCAA through January 1st right now. And um, obviously that could be extended even further. Um, but from your perspective, what did you see, I guess, maybe this past spring and into the summer, um, how these players kind of persevered through that? Well, the, play the players went through it and then the college coaches went through it as well. And unfortunately, I don't think we'll see the ramifications for a few years. It's uh, it was unfortunate for some of the unsigned seniors. Those are the kids that I think really got the most raw deal. And there's going to be some kids who are doing prep school or junior college who, who maybe would not have, who would have found something late in the year, division one or division two. But with the, the kids who are 2021, the college coaches only had very, very limited opportunities to see those kids. So if there's bad evaluations, if there's a kid who they don't know about, you know, it's hard to blame the college coaches. There's not much that they can do. So for the kids, um, where we've seen a lot of early commitments, and I think the theory there among guys I've talked to is, you know, kids are saying we don't know what's going to go on, so let's go ahead. If we find a school we're comfortable with, let's go ahead and make that commitment. And if the COVID situation really clears up by the spring, you're going to see a lot of frantic things with, you know, unsigned kids. And if it doesn't, you're going to see a lot of guesswork on both sides of the equation. So it, it, it's the situation is very fluid and it's hard to predict what's going to happen. But the ramifications, I think, will be felt to the top of college basketball when you look at the continuing of the transfer uh, portal and all those things. Before we kind of get into the outlook of the season for the area, I mean, what's your gut feeling on um, this this winter? I mean, whether it be college basketball or it be high school basketball, I mean, this is obviously a high school basketball discussion, but um, are you cautiously optimistic? I mean, where do you kind of fall on the pendulum there as far as what's going on with the pandemic and, and getting through this season? I was really optimistic, and now I'm starting to lean the other way with, I guess, recent spikes. I mean, you know, I don't know if the election will have any results on it one way or the other, but I haven't followed it as much as some people only because it frustrates me that it changes every day. 
You know, whatever they do, I hope they say, here's what we're doing and they stick to it. Um, you know, I was supposed to do an event that uh, my friend Betty Carroll's done every year, which is the Ohio Valley Hoops Classic. We had to cancel that because the Mason uh, Arena, Warren County, wasn't comfortable due to the recent spike. So there's going to be some of that type of stuff. Um, I've heard rumors, and I, I don't know if this is true, but there's some rumors that uh, Akron is going to shut down basketball in uh, high school basketball for all their city league schools, meaning they won't play at all. And if that happens, you know, that's going to be a major, um, major, you know, talking point. So I have no idea what will happen. It's been frustrating. It's been hard to follow. And for that, I'm trying to kind of look at it as a big picture instead of day-to-day changes. Well, let's try to be optimistic here and look ahead at uh, the abundance of talent um, that we have on the court for this upcoming season. Everybody knows about uh, obviously what happened this past March, um, having the uh, tournament, uh, the state tournament get, being canceled. And um, we, we spoke about the GMC there for a second. I mean, Lakota East obviously was a regional finalist with Moeller uh, this past March. We're going to get to Moeller in a second um, here, Corey. But uh, let's just talk about maybe the GMC a little bit. You mentioned Nate Johnson, Lakota East, 25-2 and two a year ago. Uh, what do you like uh, when you look at this uh, Greater Miami Conference? Yeah, it's, it's tough not to like Lakota East. Clint Atkins has just done a tremendous job there. Uh, back to Wally Vickers, that's kind of his protege, and Clint's really just taking that thing and run with it. Uh, when you've got the best player in the conference, uh, or one of the best two players in the conference is with Bowen, Par- Bowen Hardman of Princeton, you're going to have a chance. And uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a winning culture. Kid from uh, who was at St. Xavier last year as a freshman, saw some varsity time. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying the last name right. Jack Kranagi, uh, he's going to he's at East now. He's going to be an impact guy there and really score the basketball. And they've got some other kids who were sophomores last year are going to step up. So with Nate at the helm, they are definitely major, major favorites in the GMC. What do you think about Brian White coming over from Hughes and uh, taking over this Princeton program? Definitely the biggest uh, coaching change of the uh, was it the spring last year was yeah Brian Wyant leaving Hughes. I know Coach Wyant well, and I think it you know it hurt him immensely to leave Hughes. He had a lot of love there for you know a great thing that he built, especially the last couple of years. Uh, but you know Princeton's tough to turn down. It's one of the probably got to be one of the top five to ten jobs in Ohio in terms of public school jobs and. You can win there, especially with the new facilities. They have talent there. So he'll get that thing going. Uh, They have a transition in that last year they played all seniors except for Bowen Hardman. But when you've got a kid like Bowen Hardman, who's a junior, he's committed to Ohio State already, you've got a a building block. they got another kid, Greg Johnson, who's a senior, who's a good player. But, uh, you know, Coach Wine, if this year they'll be competitive, and I think he's going to build that thing. Uh, There was a – uh, some off-season news with uh, a seven-foot uh, transfer into Hamilton, uh, Sage Tolentino, and he uh, obviously uh, played in Hawaii the past couple years and uh, made a <clears throat> excuse me made a verbal commitment to uh, Auburn University uh, in October. Um, what do you think about uh, the talent that uh, Hamilton returns? Not only um, just with their core team, but now adding a seven-footer in uh, Sage's talent. Well, uh, you know, Kevin Higgins at Hamilton is uh, is definitely blessed in that he. Uh, he graduated a Division One player in Trey Robinson, who's in Northern Kentucky now, and you know he's got one move all the way from Hawaii. So that's that's a good uh, good spurt of luck there. I don't know a ton about the kid. Um, even kind of national analysts who I've talked to have said, well, "We've heard this kid's really good. I've seen the video. They've seen the video." I, I know this. Um, anyone who follows college basketball knows Bruce Pearl, and Bruce Pearl's not in the business of recruiting bad players. So uh, I'm sure this kid is very, very good. And, you know, when you've got somebody that's that tall and that good and, you know, Coach Higgins has definitely uh, had Hamilton trending upward, I, I think they're going to be very competitive in that league. And, you know, you said I think East, East is definitely the favorite. It'd be, it'd be wrong to say not. But um, Hamilton's trended upward. Princeton's always going to have talent. Coach Wine's going to build that thing. Lakota West trended upward last year, although they had a lot of seniors. Excuse me. Um, it'll be very interesting to, uh, to to follow the GMC probably after Lakota East. And then one more kid in that league, uh, Fairfield, has a kid named Logan Woods, who's a junior, has Division One offers an interest, transferred over from Cincinnati Christian. And uh, he's a player I think some people know about, but playing in the GMC, he's going to, to be very well known here by the end of the year. 
Let's transition over to the GCL South. I think the conversation we all know obviously uh, starts with Moeller and their dominance over the past uh, several years now with Coach Carl Kramer and uh, the talent that he brings back, namely Logan Duncombe, uh, their outstanding uh, center who's going to head over to uh, Indiana University. But uh, they have so many college commits, so much talent. Corey, what do you see with Moeller and their uh, rigorous schedule this winter? Yeah, they're, they're loaded. They're loaded again. They're the favorite in the state of Ohio. Uh, saying anything else would would just be, uh, you know, trying to create a hot take. But yeah, you got Logan Duncombe. You know, he's going to Indiana. You got Alex Williams going to Furman. You got Aiden Noyes going to Richmond. You got um, Aiden Turner's going to Division II Charleston. And he's not there anymore. Family moved to South Carolina, but Will McCracken was a part of that team in the past, and uh, he's going to UNC Wilmington, very good player. And then back to Muller, they've got uh, Evan Mahaffey, who's a junior, who's got probably closing in on 10 high major Division One offers. He's got all the big offers locally. So that team is loaded. Uh, everybody knows what Muller does in terms of their discipline, the way they play as a team. And then when you add in that top talent, they're, they're huge favorites uh, in the Southwest region. And uh, in the state of Ohio, I think Centerville can be competitive with them. Well, Cody East has shown when they've played them, they can be competitive with them. But it, it all goes through Moeller. just want to mention a few other players uh, within that conference there. St. Xavier with Kobe Rogers going to Nova Southeastern. Uh, LaSalle with some talented players, Justin Lovett, uh, Aiden Schneider. Um, what do you see the rest of the GCL South there? Yes, St. X, St. X is definitely definitely trending upward. Mike Noska did a great job last year. Uh, losing the kid to Lakota East doesn't help, but they're going to be fine. Kobe Rogers is one of those kids we talked about with the AAU thing. I mean, I think Nova Southeastern, their head coach, uh, Coach Crutchfield, is a guy who was at uh, West Liberty in West Virginia, was a top five Division two team for I don't know how long he was there, I'm guessing at least 10 years, and decided, that let's go down to Fort Lauderdale where it's better weather. And uh, took over Nova Southeastern, immediately took that thing. They were number one in the country for a lot of last year. And he is still prioritized, as he did before, recruiting the state of Ohio. So uh, that's a great opportunity for Kobe Rogers. We had an event, um, myself and the guys from 275 Hoops had an open gym streamed event for college coaches in, uh, Lord, it's been a while now, June. And um, he was as good as anyone there, he probably would have been the MVP of the event. So happy for Kobe Rogers. I think he's the next best player in that league. Um, and Elder has some talent. Sal, you mentioned Schneider and love it. Though the league will be competitive. I would think St. X is probably like small favorites to get second place right now. But LaSalle, you know, I never want to count them out. You know, they always have a ton of grit with, uh, with coach Godey. And then once those, uh, football guys come in, they, they really become a tough team with, with, um, you know, the way they guard. I want to get to Division Two here in a quick second, but uh, uh, any other impressions around Division One? I? I know Walnut Hills opens the season uh, against Moeller. Coach Ricardo Hill always has some talent. Um, any impressions there with the ECC or some other D1 teams? Uh, the ECC, you know, I'm not so sure. Uh, Jackson Holt was going to be probably the best player in that conference. He left Turpin to go to a prep school. Uh, definitely hurts Coach Sloanham's roster. I mean, he's, again, another guy who's – Really, really done a nice job there. I think he's still one of the favorites in that league, along with, you know, Ricardo's always going to have talent at Wanted Hills. It's already gonna, always going to get his guys to play hard. So those those would be the top two teams. Probably don't have the – definitely don't have the top-end talent of the GMC this year, but yeah, the ECC always has, you know, a sleeper team. Division two, uh, it just seems to be loaded <laughs> when it when it comes to talent. Uh, we can go through a lot of names here, but uh, have to start with uh, Woodward junior point guard Paul McMillan the fourth, and uh, talk about uh, a lot of high major offers. I think uh, you know it, it's been well known um, what what he's been able to do, and uh, maybe talk about what Coach Jarrell Redden has uh, coming back for the Bulldogs this season. Yeah, so Jarrell Redden has not much size, but he's got some guards that are good. Got a kid, Aaron Davis, kid Montev Ware, both were there last year. Kid and Kanye Moreland was there last year. So he's got some talent uh, to go with McMillan. Obviously, no size. Those kids, uh, Paul's the tallest by far of those kids at 6'1", 6'2". But uh, when you've got a kid like Paul McMillan, you know, you're going to have a chance. And, and it got, in high school basketball, I'm a big believer of when you have a, a guy who's a horse like that, you got you to get the ball to him. you got to have your best players take your shots. We saw it with Luke Kennard at Franklin. We saw it with Jaron Cumberland at Wilmington. Saw it with, you know, plenty of other guys. Macy Oteague at Wanted Hills, who's 
having a great career at Baylor right now. So you'll see that with Paul McMillan. You'll see him score the ball at a high level. Um, there was all the COVID stuff. Who knows what will happen? But if Paul McMillan is in the mix for Ohio Mr. Basketball, I would not be surprised at all. He'll definitely be in the mix for the leading scorers in the state along with uh, another local kid, Blanchester's Braden Sipple, will probably be up there too. So uh, the Cincinnati City League is a little bit of a toss-up this year. But, uh, you know, Woodward, when you have a kid like McMillan, they're right in there. When you look at Taft, Hughes, Aiken, and, um, and Woodward, you know, any of the four, I could see winning it. I'm just going to go quickly here through Division Two. Uh, you know, Wyoming with Isaiah Walker going to Belmont. Fenwick has A.J. Braun going to Wright State. Uh, you mentioned Hughes, uh, one of their top players, Cameron McKenzie from last year. Um, what do you see? Maybe some of those other uh, Division Two teams. Yeah, all, all, all a lot of talent right there. Like you said, all a lot of talent. I really like the senior class. A lot of kids who really worked hard in their game. Cameron McKenzie's a kid I would love to see uh, continue to get some some scholarship offers because a little undersized two-guard but can really score. He's just a tough kid and plays the game the right way. I like, I like what Hughes has done. I hope uh, Darrell Black is uh, able to continue what's going on there. I think he will. Taft, obviously, everyone's talking about Ray Von Griffith. He's got all these big offers. Kansas just offered him. Um, you know, I, I know Indiana, all these big schools have talked to him. So he's going to be on the radar. Taft doesn't have those names that are really well known in the city league outside of him, but uh, it's Taft basketball. They're going to be fine. And then the other kid in that league who I always like to talk about is uh, Jakarta Stone from Aiken. Uh, who's getting a lot of junior college attention, very, very good guard. And uh, the head coach's son, Robbie Cass, the kid who is uh, a junior, had a really, really good uh, summer in the, in the limited basketball that was played. And another guy is a smaller guard, but he's going to have a good year there at Aiken. Is it just me, Corey? Is this, are we just really, really talented across the board here for players? I mean, I, I don't know. Do you compare this year to another season, or is this just a matter of – do you attribute – you know, the talent is something, or is it just one of those years that seems like we're, you know, really blessed with a lot of talent across the board or around the region? Yeah, it's, it's cyclical. It's cyclical, I think. You know, I like to look at it just, you know, almost from a competitive standpoint is where do we match up with a Columbus or a Cleveland? And I think in 2022, we're, we're ahead of the curve, definitely. We, we've, we've got the really, really good class, especially when you add a Sage Tolentino to – to McMillan, to Hardman, to Mahaffey. And then if you look at the Dayton area, there's some really good, talented players in that class. So um, I, I definitely like the, like the talent and I like the depth. That's, I think, what people have talked about when they talked about Ohio in 21 and 22 is, is the depth. In 2023, you've got a kid like a Rayvon Griffith at Taft, a couple other kids that I think can be high level, but we haven't seen that depth yet. And the reason we haven't seen that depth is because I spend a lot of my time on the AU circuit watching the rising sophomores as it was so limited this year, I did almost zero of that. I did almost always a rising juniors, rising seniors. So I think we just haven't seen a lot of those kids. I'll be interested to see how that sophomore class uh, steps up this year on uh, the high school level. From a team standpoint, uh, do you see anything up North that, that might surprise some people or is it kind of the usual powers around the, around the state as far as, you know, maybe divisions one and two, especially. And I don't think there's a huge, huge favorite. It's Division One. I, I think it's, I think it's mine. I don't think I know it's more. Um, Gehanna Lincoln is, is going to be really good again in uh, Division One in Columbus. Hilliard Bradley's always competitive. They play a similar style to Moeller. Cleveland had some guys graduate. They had a lot of turnover among uh, transfers. Um, Garfield Heights was going to be pretty good with the return of the kid, Mitchie Johnson, but he just announced yesterday that he's enrolling early at Ohio State with all the uncertainties that he will not be on that team. So Moeller's definitely clear favorites. I said in the region, Centerville is, is very, very good. They've got a lot of talent in the junior class and the sophomore class, and uh, they, they will have a chance. If anybody was going to unseat Moeller down here on paper only, I would say Centerville in Division One. Corey, you uh, do a great job covering uh, the entire boys basketball scene here, and you have a podcast. Where can people follow you and uh, also uh, check out some of the content that uh, you provide? Sure. So on Twitter at Corey, C-O-R-E-Y underscore Albertson, 
on um, the internet at triple double prospects.com. And then it has been a while with COVID. We haven't done it, but we had a podcast going called the Triple Double Podcast. And once uh, high school basketball games start back underway, myself along with uh, my co-host and producer Jason Morrow are going to get that thing going again. So those are really the three places that that I, I publish content. If you love high school basketball, you need to follow Corey. That's for sure. Uh, Triple Double Prospects analyst Corey Albertson. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me on the WCPO High School Insider. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate everything you do. Well, as you can tell from Corey, this Cincinnati area is blessed with an abundance of talent across the board in every division from top players and top teams. And uh, I want to thank Corey for all his perspective on the, the upcoming season. But I uh, had a chance to catch up with Moeller coach Carl Kramer as the Crusaders prepare for the season. The Crusaders had a lot of big-time signings in this National Signing Day period in November. And uh, Moeller 82-0 and against Southwest Ohio teams going back to December of 2016. And uh, Coach Carl Kramer had a chance to uh, elaborate on not only the success of the program the past couple of years, but uh, what he likes most about this group this winter. But, uh, let's talk about the promise of this uh, Moeller basketball season, and uh, we'll get into some other stuff as well. But uh, obviously a very tough schedule, uh, very competitive. Uh, you open the season at Walnut Hills November 28th, and we can go on and on from there with your opponents. But uh, tell me about what you like most about uh, this schedule as you prepare for the season. Well, the one thing I wanted to do with this team, obviously, uh, you know, we've got some guys who've played a lot of basketball in uh, Alex Williams and Logan Duncombe. Uh, and then our other three guys are actually going to be very much in the new roles. But those two guys have been major cogs. Uh, of course, we lost Will. Will's family moved to, to Hilton Head. But those three guys have been varsity since they were sophomores and just knew that this team, Mike, needed to play uh, the best of the best in the country. So we tried to be really aggressive in our scheduling. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're playing the number one team in Indiana. Uh, we're playing uh, Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's, who I think is is going to be great this year. Uh, we've got them here at Moeller. Uh, we're going to go play Kent McKinley there on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, then we're going to go to the Beach Ball Classic, which will be the premier high school tournament this year. They've got six teams in the top 30 in the country out of their 16. So we're going to play a lot of great teams. And on top of that, you know, we've got our normal, the league schedule in Centerville and Springfield. And so um, I don't think anyone in the state is going to play a tougher schedule than us. And, and uh, hopefully that'll be good for us. We're not really worried about our record. We're just trying to become the best team we can be. And I think playing good people help you do that. Uh Interviewed Mount Notre Dame coach Dr. Scott Rogers uh, a little bit ago, and um, you know, talking about his season, his success from last year. And um, I know you've been asked this probably about a million times. I've talked to every coach, every student athlete across the board, and every sport about uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, how it's impacted so many different teams. But now, as we start the season, as, as Coach Rogers was saying, it's kind of the elephant in the room. You don't know, um, you know, what 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 might happen from week to week, game to game, um, you know, if games get postponed, canceled, that sort of thing. Tell us about your approach, Carl, um, with your team, such a unique year. We all know that with the school year and summer and everything like that. But what, what's been your message to your guys as you prepare for this winter? You know, I think we're just um, hopeful and thankful at the same time that it appears we are going to get to get started and play. Uh, I, I do think it's it's living the moment. Uh, we're not going to look too far down the road and be worried about things that may happen because, you know, we just have no control on that. So uh, it's a good way to put it. It's kind of the elephant in the room. Everyone's aware that, that, that it is kind of a week-to-week thing. But, uh, but our guys are just excited to play. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to live in the moment and uh, believe that there's going to be something for us, you know, that, that there is going to be. Um, you know, an end of the season, an opportunity to to, to, to try to uh, play for a state championship. And so that's really, you know, we're not trying to overthink it. Just, just keep it simple and really focus on getting better every day. I know that's coach speed, but that, that's really what the process is about. It's that simple. And that's what we're going to try to do. Well, it's great to be talking high school basketball again. Let's get into uh, some of your uh, standouts here. Obviously, um, you mentioned the tough schedule and you wanting to challenge your guys, but uh, 
you know, I can, I can rattle off all the names here, but I'll let you go through it here. Um, you know, so much talent returning on the court. Uh, what do you like most about these guys from an individual standpoint and then collectively as well? You know, in all honesty, Mike, I, I say for me, what I like the most are all great kids. Like I, I, I'm so proud of, uh, and I feel lucky that, that I get to work with the type kids and families that we have. Uh, and I know our coaching staff feels the same way. Our kids are bought in. They, they're, they're good kids. They, they want to be coached. They, they want to be a part of the family. They want to be a part of something that's more important than just themselves. And, uh, so I start with that. I feel blessed. I don't take it for granted. Um, and then on top of that, we have, you know, we, we've been in this five, six year run of just really unusually high talent. And, uh, and it's just a blessing, you know, and, and um, for us this year, you know, I, I start with Logan in the middle, you know, he's a three-year starter. Um, uh, he's going to Indiana. That, that says about all you have to know. He's going to be a big 10 center. Uh, what's been great about him, Mike, is he continues to get better. Like he's much better. He will be much better this year than he was a year ago. He's a hard worker, uh, tough kid. Um, um, just, just is putting himself in a position, I think, to have a monster senior year. And whenever you have that kind of, um, that kind of uh, size in the middle, um, inexperience, uh, you know, you're going to be a pretty good high school team. And then on top of that, uh, Alex Williams has, has been a special player for us. He's made big baskets since his sophomore year. He's just a kid that can score the basketball. He's going to a great system at Furman that's going to fit him perfect. They kind of play positionless basketball. And that's Alex. I mean, he's a positionless player. He can do a little bit of everything on the floor and do it well. Um, and I think he'll be a leader for our team. I think Alex really is excited about his senior year, and he'll do a lot. So start with those two. But the two dynamic guys, I think, are really dynamic, are, are going to be two wing kids that, um, that, that, that are really special. Uh, first is Aiden Noise. Aiden just committed to Richmond. Um uh, A's had the worst luck in many ways in terms of recruiting in that, but he's blown up and he's a late bloomer, somewhat like Jackson Hayes was, just bloomed late in his career. He didn't have an AAU season like Jackson did to show it off in the spring and the summer. Uh, but that being said, there was enough that people saw that great schools like Richmond, and Richmond's really a great basketball program, as you know. Coach Mooney does an amazing job and it's an amazing school. Uh, that Aiden went ahead and made that commitment. But I, I'm telling you, he's he's a legit 6'6", six, six, maybe 6'7". Six, uh, he's a pogo stick, uh, can flash him to basketball. And it's just all coming together for him now. I think the work, Mike, that he's done in the weight room has really been the difference for him. He's playing through contact really well. I, I'm super excited to see him play. And I can say all those same things, except he's a year younger and he's getting more of an ability to get recruited early than Evan Mahaffey. There may be no hotter recruit right now than Evan. I mean, I, my phone is ringing off the hook on him. And uh, again, he's, you know, very thin kid uh, when he transferred here at the beginning of sophomore year. The weight room has really transformed him. Uh, he is a kid that can do everything on the court. You know, he can play point guard for us. He could be our center if we need him to be. Literally, he has all those skill levels. He's he's devastating in the open court. He's going to be a shot blocker supreme, um, you know. And you know he's getting high major offers now. West Virginia offered the other day. New Stephen Xavier. Um, I just think um, Evan's going to have a tremendous year. And the, the great thing with Evan, on top of all that, he's just an incredible kid. He is a really incredible young man. So. Yeah, when you have that kind of talent to work with, and the thing I think I'm most excited with is um, we had a point guard last year who, who backed up Michael Curran, and Michael Curran was the heart and soul of our team, as you know, last year. Did it without all the st stats. He just was steady and, and led our team. And uh, Aiden Turner was really close to Michael, and Aiden got to learn under Michael for a year. And Aiden's had a tremendous offseason, as good as you can have it in the COVID environment. He also has committed to a Division II school, Charleston, which is 
a great basketball school. So um, I think Aiden is going to be one of the surprise guys in the city. I think Aiden Turner will, will be an outstanding point guard. He understands that we got a lot of guys who can do a lot of things. It's going to be his job to get them in good good positions, and I think he'll do it. So that's about as dynamic of a first five guys as, as, as we've ever had. Uh, but again, a lot of new guys. I mean, Aiden Noise is new. Evan Mahaffey's new. Aiden Turner's new. And we got to form that, that chemistry and that personality. I just get a sense that these guys want to do it for each other. And then we got some – we got a really great senior class. And there are guys in our senior class that the public's not aware of, but Zach George and Carson Klein and Matt Bushelman – Tyrell, uh, well, we just have some guys, Tyrell Davis, that we think are going to be really special in helping create that gold team atmosphere that we've talked about a lot in the past. So. I want to ask you about that chemistry. I mean, where, where do you see or what do you see from some of these seniors in terms of leadership, whether it be Logan or Alex? Um, I know they've been with the program for quite some time. You know, they know the Molar way, as it were, but uh, – yeah, you know, still, you have to develop that on the court. How have they done that? Maybe this preseason, and, and maybe how the how how has that been established, or what what do you like from seeing that? Yeah, you know, and that's the one thing I think we're missing a little bit. Mike is knowing that. Uh, I I think we're going to learn it. Um, you know, we weren't able to play it all this summer. Typically, you know, we'll take two or three road trips in the summer. Um, you know, we'll, we'll play about 30 or 40 games in the summer. We didn't do any we, – we did skill development out the lawsuit. We ought to shoot the ball and dribble it pretty well, but but we didn't get out and play people. So I think some of those things about how how we're going to handle adversity and how we're going to communicate with each other on the floor, and I, it's still that we're going to find that out this year. I, I'm, I'm confident in our guys. I think, I think they've – They've seen guys do it the right way, and I think they're anxious to have their moment in, in the leadership role. Um, but, again, that's that's the beauty of playing the season. We'll, we'll find out what guys can do, and I think that's that's a question mark for us. You mentioned Michael Curran just a, a minute ago there, and obviously everybody knows about his tragic passing in, in September. But um, how, how the guys uh, – your, your team – this year, maybe the the players, the, the supporters of the basketball program. I mean, how have they dealt with that? Um, and how do you plan to kind of remember him as the season goes along? Because obviously um, his memory will never fade there from the school. Yeah, you know, I share with you, Mike, I, I, I've been so blessed to have so many great kids. Uh, I mean, so many great kids at, at Moore. Michael Curran was kind of in a class all by himself and, the impact that he's had on these guys, um, you know, our guys are in college now. I've talked to them a lot. I mean, they're still dealing with this, uh, but our guys here are really, really impacted by it. And, uh, and we will be all year. This, this year, Michael Curran, uh, you know, is, is going to have an impact on the season as only Michael can do because of how he lived. I mean, he really was truly an incredible example. And that's how, you know, you hear the conversation amongst the guys, be like Mike, be like Mike. It's the old uh, Nike commercial, but but he really knew how to treat people the right way. He knew how to he knew how to compete every day. He knew how to bring people up with them. Michael never had a bad day. Michael never had a bad practice. He just, he just had an ability um, to, to be at his best and, and to find the best in others every day. So what I think, I think will have a positive impact on it, and I think it's it, it's a great leadership thing. And we we've considered a lot of things, and obviously, uh, you know, keep going is going to be in our hearts, and and uh, and there will be some visual reminders. We haven't solidified everything we're going to do, um, but but we can't play this season with these guys who were best friends with Michael and and teammates with him for a couple of years, and not not remember him throughout the season. So, so you'll see things and I'll share it with you as we make those decisions, but they don't have an impact on our year. But the one thing Michael would say, he would say, go on, keep going. And and that's what, that's what we're going to do in his honor. How did his death impact you, Carl? I mean, obviously you're not only the longtime basketball coach there, but um, principal of the school. And, you know, this has been such a unique, very difficult year 
you know, just in, in, in other circumstances as well. But um, what have you learned, I guess, in the past month or so? You know, aside from, um, aside from family things, nothing's impacted me more than this. Um, you know, I've known the family. I coached the dad. Um, lived through his early passing. Uh, the Crone family is a big family, and there's you know, different parts of it. And I, I know so many different parts of the Crone family. There's so much a part of the Moeller family. And uh, just the pain that everyone's gone through. And, uh, um, yeah, it, it's really been hard, hard, hard to deal with. You know, I can't even really put it into words, right? But... Uh, but also, I like to step back and just say how blessed we all were to have that kid in our lives. Um, he really, you know, as as a sixty year old man, I can tell you, I learned from that kid. Like I, I want, I want to try to be the kid he was. I, I, I want to follow his example. He was that together and that true to who he was. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's been tough. And, and we'll continue to work through it, but we're gonna we're gonna pull a lot of positive out of it because that's that's what Michael would want. Very difficult to transition, obviously, from from that conversation. But um, just an overall picture of, around the uh, boys' basketball scene around the city this year. I mean, what are what are some of your thoughts, not only in the GCL South but uh, around the area in terms of top players and top teams? Well. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I've always believed that Cincinnati is so well coached. They're, they're just, uh, you're going to be in battles every night. I, I think our league's going to be good again. Um, I think um, uh, Mike's done such a great job at St. X, and I expect them to only be better uh, in the second year of run his motion. In fact, I thought they were playing as good as anyone at the end of last year. You had that tough loss, but. But, but they'll, they'll continue to be really good. I think LaSalle's got two great returners that they can, a great nucleus that they can build around and love it in uh, Schneider. Um, and then Elder might be the team that really is the sneakiest of all. I really think uh, this, this current junior class of Elder, they, they dominated our league, killed everyone, killed our guys by 30 and 40. I mean, they're really a talented group. So I expect Elder to be really, really good this year. Um, so I think the league's going to be good. And then on top of that, um, you know, I think in the GMC, you just have to take your hat off to what Lakota each does every year. I think Clint, Clint just really has a program there and really um, they, they, they just do a terrific job. So if I had to bet, I would bet Lakota East in the GMC and then uh, – I don't know a lot about – I'm hearing about all these guys that are going into Hamilton. I don't know all the details on that. But if you're picking up three Division One players, um, you're going to be a pretty daggone good high school. Even I can't screw up three Division One players. So I know they're going to do well with it at Hamilton. Uh, so I, I got to believe they're going to be really strong too. And I think Princeton's going to be really strong. So, um, you know, it'll be a good year in Cincinnati. Hello, Coach. Carl Kramer, always appreciate your time and perspective. And uh, give me a sense of uh, kind of what you go from here in, in terms of, I know official practice will start uh, later on, but uh, how do you kind of prepare before I let you go here? How do you, how do you get the guys prepared for the season? You know, I, I don't know how other coaches, but I always look at November as being the hardest month of coaching. I, you love it. It's fun in many ways because it is the platform. But in terms of exhaustion, I always I, I, I'm always exhausted come Thanksgiving because, you know, we've we, we've got the tryout process that, that I always find painful because there's, uh, you know, there's these kids that have dreamed of making teams and you don't have room for everybody and and I've always taken control of that on throughout our program. I don't think that should be the freshman coach making those decisions. It's really a program decision. So. So I'll be attending three practices at school all day. I'll be getting home late at night here for the first couple of weeks. And, um, and then just getting everything in. You have the long rolling practices and meet the team nights and pictures. And it's all that craziness that goes into November. But at the same time, I, I think it's the most important month. Like anything, it's, it's, it's the, the foundation that, that you build. Uh, if I've learned anything over the years, Mike, I, I'd say 
in the old days, we used to have three hour long varsity practices. We don't, I don't do that much anymore. In fact, I would say we will max out at two. I know there are a lot of teams that do it, but I've kind of got to that, that long-term thing. I think it's important. If you're going to play well in March, you have to start thinking about that even in, in November. So you got to go hard enough to get that foundation, but you also got to be careful about wear and tear on your kids and probably more, more emotionally than, than physically. So that whole challenge starts. It's fun. I, in fact, I'm so glad to have the distraction of basketball uh, coming up. Carl, really appreciate your time and best of luck to the Crusaders. Mike, you're the best at what you do. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I want to thank Moeller coach Carl Kramer for giving his perspective about the uh, Crusaders this upcoming season. They're certainly going to be the odds on favorite as we enter this boys basketball campaign. Also, Corey Albertson from Triple Double Prospects as he uh, gave you his analysis and uh, his outlook for this entire season. And college recruiting certainly has been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Certainly something that you want to watch for this, uh, not only a senior class, but also the 2022-2023 classes who are also getting national attention as well. And also St. X football coach Steve Speck for giving his time and uh, perspective about the Bombers and this unique season and one that he will never forget for sure as the Bombers captured a Division I state championship this past weekend. Thanks again for listening. We were going to continue to uh, watch everything regarding the upcoming winter sports season. Girls basketball starts this Friday and boys basketball starts next week. So be sure to uh, tune in as uh, we switch gears to the Ohio high school winter sports season. Thanks again for listening.